The moving force behind Jesus coming into the world was God's love for the world. At the end of the New Testament, Jesus demonstrated that love by dying on the cross for sinners. But he also taught God's love during his lifetime, and one of the most famous verses in the Bible deals with that love. It's John 3.16. Today, Stephen Davey comes to that passage on this wisdom journey. This lesson is called, The Great Escape and the Greatest Gift. In 1867, D.L. Moody, the famous evangelist, was pastoring a large church in downtown Chicago. He invited a man by the name of Henry Morehouse to preach every night for a week of special meetings. To everybody's surprise, Morehouse preached every night on the same verse of Scripture. His seventh and final sermon was delivered to a packed auditorium, and everyone was wondering what that final evening's text would be. D.L. Moody's son wrote that as Henry Morehouse stepped into the pulpit, he spoke these words, and I'll quote from Moody's son. For an entire week, I've been trying to tell you how much God loves you, Morehouse preached. But I cannot do it with this poor, stammering tongue. If I could borrow Jacob's ladder and climb up into heaven and ask Gabriel, who stands in the presence of the Almighty, to tell me how much love the Father has for the world, all he could do is repeat this verse from which I have been preaching. Well, Moody confessed later on that throughout this week, his heart began to thaw out, as he put it, as he drank in the truth of this wonderful text. Moody would later credit those sermons to changing his perspective of God and his, and his own heart for lost people. Well, we arrive today in our wisdom journey at this great text, and, and no doubt it's the best-known verse in all the Bible. What I want to do is slow down our sailboat today and take a closer look at this text, John chapter 3, and verse 16. Jesus is telling Nicodemus the way of salvation, and it isn't just a list of rules. It isn't religion. It happens to be a love relationship between God and his children through Jesus Christ. The Apostle John records Jesus' words here in this most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let me break down this verse and take a closer look. The verse begins with the words, for God. Now, we could say that he is the greatest giver. In other words, it all begins with him. You know, this phrase takes me back in my mind to the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything begins with God. God is the source. He is the creator of physical life. And he is the source and creator of spiritual life. Well, then we're told in this verse, For God so loved the world. This is the greatest degree of love. You know, you might tell someone that you love them, or you might say, I love you so much. Well, that's the idea. It's the greatest measure of love there is. 
In fact, the word for love that Jesus uses here is agape. Uh, This word doesn't describe so much a, a feeling as it describes a fact. This was the Greek word for making up your mind to love. This is a commitment. See, when you walked down that aisle to marry your bride, you didn't do it because you'd fallen in love with her. You did it because you were choosing to love her. And that's a big difference, isn't it? This kind of love is a choice, a commitment, and it leads to loving action. Well, just look at the action that God took here. The text goes on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So God is the greatest giver. His love is to the greatest degree. And now we could add that his son is the greatest gift ever given. His only son, the Greek word for only, your translation might read, his only begotten son is monogenes, which means Jesus is the unique. He is the one of a kind son. This doesn't mean that God the Father had some heavenly mistress and they had a son. This means that Jesus is simply uniquely God the Son. God the Father loved the world so much that he gave his son. Now, this great text goes on to say that God gave his only son that whoever believes in him, stop there, that happens to be the greatest invitation ever given. Whoever believes, whoever places their faith and trust in Jesus. And by the way, that invitation includes you and me. D.L. Moody, the evangelist I mentioned earlier, used to, to say that the world can be divided into two groups the whosoever wills, and the whosoever wants. Let me ask you, which one are you today? Well, notice that Jesus says here, whoever believes in him. He doesn't say whoever believes in the church, whoever believes in some religion, whoever, you know, believes in some god or goddess. No, whoever believes in him. Well, now you've got urgency to this invitation. Jesus says that God gave his son so that whoever believes in him should not perish. Well, unless you believe in God's son, you're going to perish. Now, this word doesn't refer to death. It refers to judgment. The greatest giver who loves the world to the greatest degree and is given the greatest gift now offers you the greatest escape. You can escape the judgment of God. You can escape the torment of hell by receiving this free gift of salvation. However, those who continue in unbelief will suffer eternal judgment. That is, they will perish, face the judgment of God. You know, nearly every week I meet people, and many times I'll listen to them pray to receive Christ and the gift of salvation. When my kids were young, I'd, I'd come home and tell them about those people who wanted to, to trust the Lord and who came to faith in Christ. I wanted my children to understand the urgency of this most important decision in life. In fact, I, I can remember while still in elementary school, one of my twin sons wrote a little paper for an assignment in his public school. He decided to explain the gospel in a few sentences. Then he he concluded his little paper by writing, 
Now, if you want to be saved, you need to call my dad. (laughs) Well, imagine that teacher getting a paper from some child saying, you need to be saved. Well, that's exactly what Jesus is telling Nicodemus, this high-ranking religious leader in Israel. You need to be saved. You're going to perish. For God, Jesus says, that's the greatest giver. So love the world. That's love to the greatest degree that he gave his only son. That's the greatest gift that whoever believes in him, that's the greatest invitation, will not perish. That's the greatest escape. Well, the verse doesn't end yet. The verse ends with this, but have eternal or everlasting life. Let me tell you, that's the greatest promise. In fact, we could say it's the greatest promise of the greatest future. Can you know for sure that's your future, that you have eternal life in heaven? Well, John is going to later on write in in chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do you have that certainty today? I can remember as a young boy visiting the home of an elderly couple. Uh, The man was confined to his chair. He was very weak. Uh, Death was not far away. Uh, We were in Wisconsin, if I remember correctly, traveling through on our way to Minnesota, where my grandparents lived there in Minneapolis. This older man's uh, children, his married children, supported my missionary parents. But he himself was not a Christian. We sat in the living room of his children and, and listened as my my father began sharing with this man the plan of salvation. And then I remember my father asking him, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? Well, the man thought for a moment and then said, I don't believe I will. I remember holding my breath. I also remember my father simply Uh, getting up and adjusting his chair, pulling it closer to this man. And and with with urgency, my father started over again. (laughs) And as that old man sat there wrapped in a blanket to keep him warm, I mean, here's a man who'd lived a good life. He'd raised wonderful children, now grown adults. He, He had attended church regularly himself. But my father was telling him, just like Jesus was telling Nicodemus here, He'd never be good enough. Well, finally, my father got to the end of the gospel presentation and asked him once again, would you now place your faith in Christ and ask him to forgive your sin? Ask Jesus to become your Savior. Will you do that now? The old man paused, and frankly, we all held our breath. And then I heard him say, well, I believe I will. I remember tears coming down my cheeks as a little boy. How about you? Have you responded to this invitation? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? You know, salvation is free. He paid for it. But you still must ask for it. It's a gift. But you've got to open it. Ask him to become your Savior today. 
Well, until our next wisdom journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You're listening to The Wisdom Journey, and Stephen called this lesson the great escape and the greatest gift. The Wisdom Journey is produced and distributed by Wisdom International. We have a team of people that prays for every prayer request that comes into our ministry. How can we pray for you? We've set up a special website where you can submit your requests to us. You'll find that at wisdomonline.org forward slash prayer. Visit there today and then join us back here next time as we continue the wisdom journey.